Please remain standing with me for this reading from Hebrews 11, starting in verse 1. Faith is the reality of what we hope for, the proof of what we do not see. The elders in the past were approved because they showed this faith. By faith, we understand that the universe has been created by a word from God so that the invisible, that, so that the visible came into existence from the invisible. By faith, Abram obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was going to receive an inheritance. He went out without knowing where he was going. By faith, he lived in the land he had been promised as a stranger. He lived in tents along with Isaac and Jacob, who were co-heirs of the same promise. He was looking forward to a city that has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. By faith, even Sarah received the ability to have a child, though she herself was barren and past the age for having children because she believed that the one who promised was faithful. So descendants were born. They were as many as the number of the stars in the sky and countless as the grains of sand on the seashore. Friends, this is the word of God for you, the people of God. Thanks be to God. And so now, gracious God, in these moments, may the words of my mouth, may the meditations of all of our hearts together in this place and in all places be found pleasing to you. O Lord, you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. This morning, I would like to invite you to think back with me to your middle school years. There is already laughter in the room, so I can only imagine what stories you are imagining with me right now. I will be honest, you could not pay me to go back to middle school. For starters, I had not quite yet discovered what hair gel is, and so my hair was about this big. And middle school can be so clicky and awkward, and middle school girls can be so mean. I didn't feel like I fit anywhere. I wonder what your middle school self was like. And if you could go back, what do you wish you could say to your middle school self that you know now? Pastor Nadia Boltz Weber was asked this question once. She was speaking to a group of teenagers when a middle school girl raised her hand, and in her anxious bravery, this girl spoke up in a large group of her peers, and she said, Pastor Nadia, what advice do you have for someone my age who might be bullied at school? And who does not have many friends and is maybe someone that other kids like to make fun of. Well, Nadia didn't miss a beat. 
And I love what she said. She looked directly into this little girl's eyes and she said, I am so sorry that that's been happening to you. And I totally get it because I've been there. But as horrible as it is right now, I want you to do whatever you can do to get through it. Because I promise you this one thing. The grown-ups who were bullied in middle school and survive it are like ten times cooler and way more interesting as adults than the ones who were doing the actual bullying. You're going to get through this, and you're going to be amazing. I promise you. Those kids bullying you will be nothing but a footnote later on in your life. I mean, come on, who wants to peak in middle school anyway? (laughs) And in this sarcastic and provocative and yet beautiful way, Nadia encouraged this little girl to trust that things would get better on the other side of this. To look forward to a future that she just couldn't see in front of her right now in the difficulty of middle school. In short, she challenged her to have faith. Even when her present circumstances and surroundings told her something otherwise. Because that's what the writer to the Hebrews tells us that faith is. It's the assurance of things we have hoped for. It's the conviction of things we just can't see in front of us right now. And so that's going to be what we are going to talk about over the next few weeks at Highland as we take a closer look through the book of Hebrews Because over the next couple of chapters, we hear about all these different people, people who are actually part of our great cloud of witnesses, people who, by faith, have taken brave steps forward, just like Karen mentioned this morning, in the ways that God was calling them, even when their present situation told them something otherwise. And so by faith, Abraham would follow God through the wilderness, even though he had no idea where he was going. And by faith, Sarah, who was well past childbearing age, would give birth to a son. Because sometimes even our biggest dreams are not half wild enough for God, as Frederick Buechner says. By faith, Moses would lead the people of Israel out of slavery in the land of Egypt. And by faith, they would pass together through the Red Sea as on dry land because they trusted in a God who would provide for them step by step by step. And this list of people, we will continue reading it, it just goes on and on. People who are all part of the family tree of our faith. I love how Bible scholar Debbie Smith puts it. She says, according to Abraham's story, faith is the restless energy that pushes us out the door and onto the road in pursuit of what God has promised. Faith is the audacity to undertake a perilous journey simply because God asks us to, not because we know ahead of time where we're going. 
Faith is the itch and the ache that turns our faces toward the distant stars, even on the cloudiest of nights. Faith is the willingness to stretch our imaginations, to see new birth, new life, new joy, even when we feel withered and dead inside. Faith is the urgency of the homeless for a true and lasting home, a home whose architect and builder is God. And so I wonder this morning, in what situation is God inviting you to have faith? To have a faith that is brave enough to look forward, even when you can't see it in front of you right now. If your name were included among this list of our great cloud of witnesses, what would they write about you? Or if our name, if Highland's name were included among this great cloud of witnesses, what would they say about us one day? I often share with you about my friend Brenda, who passed away from pancreatic cancer a couple years ago. And she's part of my cloud of witnesses. She is someone I dearly loved who is cheering me onward in my faith journey. And I think I talk about her so much because I probably learned more from her in the nine months of walking alongside Brenda after her diagnosis than I did in my entire four years in seminary. Because I could tell you story after story of what Brenda did by faith during those last nine months of her life. It was the night before Thanksgiving in November 2019, and Brenda had actually not been awake or conscious for almost 24 hours. Her breathing had slowed down. She was resting pretty steadily. Now, I normally shared Thanksgiving with Brenda's family. It was our tradition, along with some of our church staff and others whose families were not close by. But by that Wednesday night, Brenda's husband, Randall, called me and said that we were going to make, need to make different plans for Thanksgiving because the hospice nurses had shared that Brenda was nearing the end of her journey and it wouldn't be much longer. And, you know, we had been anticipating this moment for months, but you're never prepared for it, especially when it hits on a holiday. And so after I talked to Randall, I decided to go over and check on them, and I took Randall and Brenda's son Isaac out to dinner just to get him out of the house for a bit. We talked about what the coming weeks might hold. All of this was taking place in the midst of his senior year of college with a senior voice recital right around the corner the next week. And on our drive back home that night, he said, Mary Alice, I've just got to warn you, it's hard to see my mom right now. She's just so weak and frail. You might want to emotionally prepare yourself before you walk into the house. And so I took a deep breath, and we walked in the back door of the house into the kitchen, 
And imagine our surprise when we were immediately greeted by Brenda with a big wide smile on her face, sitting at the kitchen table and eating a huge meal. And she said, hey guys, what have you all been up to? As if it was just an ordinary night of the week. Isaac and I stood there speechless. Randall looked at us with a shocked look on his face as well. He said she had woken up a few minutes ago and seemed to have rebounded in a way that no one, not even the hospice workers, could have expected. None of us was quite sure what to think. Well, when Brenda realized that it was the night before Thanksgiving and that she had been sleeping for so long, She was really surprised that this holiday that she loved so much had snuck up on her so quickly. And so she immediately grabbed a pad of paper and started making her list of all the things she needed to prepare for the Thanksgiving meal the next day. Randall, Isaac, and I looked at each other, not sure how to respond. And finally, one of them said, you know, we were thinking we might not host Thanksgiving this year. And she said, well, what do you mean? Why in the world wouldn't we do that? We host Thanksgiving every year. And so they both tried to explain just how tired and how weak she had been, how she had been asleep for 24 hours and likely needed her rest. And Brenda acted like that was the craziest idea she had ever heard and insisted that we move forward with plans for Thanksgiving the next day. And so by faith, Brenda started making her famous dinner rolls that evening. And by faith, Randall and Isaac started setting up tables and folding chairs around the house. By faith, we started calling everyone and telling them that dinner was back on. And it's by faith that Brenda quietly snuck away to take power naps all throughout the day, just so she could be present to every moment of what she knew would be her last Thanksgiving. Because that's what faith does. It insists on hosting Thanksgiving dinner even when death is around the corner. Despite all evidence to the contrary, it looks forward (laughs) to the goodness of shared meals and hospitality and time around the table with family and friends. And faith refuses to let cancer or anything else have the last word of our lives. And so all of this causes me to circle back and ask, how is God calling you to have a faith that looks forward And how is God inviting Highland to have a faith that looks forward to what's next, too? One of the reasons I want us to talk about faith this month is because I think we need to lean into this bold and provocative kind of faith together at Highland this fall. For lots of reasons, we are in a transitional space as a church. We are still navigating our way out of COVID, whatever that even means right now, and figuring out what church looks like on the other side of that. We're in the middle of some staff transitions. We have seen the departure of some beloved staff. We're looking for two new full-time ministers who help lead us forward in the days ahead. 
We're having conversations about reparations and how we as a church can take next steps in this anti-racism work. The ministry council actually shared a list of initial steps for this work in the quarterly church conference on Wednesday night. And you can receive a copy of that report in the commons today if you haven't seen it. And then we're getting ready to start a capital campaign this fall to raise $2.5 million for some long overdue repair work on our building so that Highland can continue to be a vibrant and welcoming space for everyone who enters our doors, for Friday church and Sunday mornings and AA meetings and NA meetings and Kentucky Refugee Ministries and so many more people for years and years to come. And so all of this together means that there's a lot going on right now. And it can feel a bit overwhelming. Believe me, I know. Because there's a lot of unknown that is lingering before us. And in times like this, when we are tempted to get anxious or afraid or just unsure of what's next, We have this tendency to look back and to think about how nice things were in the past, before the pandemic, before all the transition and all the change. You know, the Israelites did that in the wilderness too. In the moment, right before they crossed the Red Sea. Do you remember that? They looked back and they said, Moses, why in the world did you bring us out here? Can't we just go back to the way things were? (laughs) And yet for some reason, that community of faith mustered up enough bravery to trust in a faith that beckoned them to look forward, to take brave next steps. And by faith, they crossed over the Red Sea together just as if they were on dry land. I love what... Larry Gray shared this week. Larry, along with Carol Harston, are co-chairs of our capital campaign team. And Larry shared this in QCC on Wednesday night. He said, over the last two years, we have been bombarded with a culture of scarcity. All the things we can't do, limits to our aspirations, constraints on all of our activities and plans. But now, in this pivotal moment, we are inviting the congregation to counter that with gratitude and generosity and with a spirit of abundance in response to God's gracious plenty. Because that's how hope is fueled, he said. Hope is fueled through gratitude and imagination and the ability to look forward as we envision a new future together. Larry said, pandemics don't have the last word. Boilers and faulty infrastructures don't have the last word. Thanks be to God that the difficult days of middle school don't have the last word. Even something as horrific as cancer does not get the last word. By faith, Highland, you and I will get to write the next words together. Because I believe that God is doing something, 
birthing something new among us in this sacred space that we hold together as Highland Baptist Church right at the cusp of this next Red Sea moment, whatever it is. Friends, it's like we are in God's labor and delivery room. And it's an exciting space to be, but it can be scary sometimes. And it's expectant, but it can get a little messy And it's hard, but it's also so hopeful about what's coming. And as Lewis Brogdon reminded us on Sunday, yeah, it's good. Which is why I am asking us as a church family, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses in this sacred space, to have a faith that looks forward to the days and years that God has set before us and to name them as good. I love the way Frederick Buechner describes the faith we see embodied in our cloud of witnesses in Hebrews. He says, faith is the word that describes the direction our feet start moving when we find that we are loved. Faith is stepping out into the unknown with nothing to guide us but a hand that is just beyond our grasp. And so Highland, let's move forward by faith. Trusting that in the midst of it all, we are being led by a hand that is just beyond our grasp. And that we are being held in the fullness of the God who is with us always. May it be so. Amen.